Hello, Wanderer, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. Today, we are going to be playing Forget-Me-Not, Myosotis, a game by Asmus Nielsen. So, the forward for this, this game includes strong themes of death, identity loss, memory loss, and general dreariness. While it's supposed to be an overall cathartic experience, if these themes upset you in any way, please remember to take breaks or abstain from play entirely. On top of that, this game is written and played under the Olivia Hill rule. If you're a fascist, you're not welcome to play this game. It's against the rules. If you're reading this and thinking, eh, you just call everyone you disagree with a fascist, then you're probably a fascist or incapable of drawing inferences from context and acknowledging a dangerous political climate that causes the oppressed to be hyperbolic. Don't play this game. Heal yourself, grow, learn, watch some Mr. Rogers Neighborhood or something. With that out of the way, please enjoy yourself. This game was largely influenced by the author's own fears and experiences, including the fact that ultimately, at least to the non-religious heart, death is the end of everything that is you. The only thing that remains afterwards is what people remember you for and as. When those memories fade, that's when a person is truly, fully, and utterly gone. So, as a side note from me, yes, I completely agree with the author. If you're a fascist, don't play this game. You can stop watching my channel. I really don't care. All right, so getting into the game. All right, forget me not, Myosotis. You explore a character alongside their journey of being forgotten. Myosotis is a journaling game, which means that you'll be writing a lot. If writing is difficult, use something like speech-to-text or some type of recording software. That's heavily recommended. Either that or recording your voice, something that allows you to return to what you've made. The game can be played solo or by up to four players. If playing in a group, take turns drawing cards from the same deck and answer the questions together. The memory of the deceased is represented by a deck of cards. Once the cards run out, so does their legacy. This is when one can be considered truly dead. Along the way, you'll need to note down some things. These things can include people the deceased knew, the ones that remember them, the places they've been, etc. The book will inform you when you need to be noting such things down. You're encouraged to reuse elements between each question. Reuse people, places, items, memories, connect the dots, create a life. At the end, when the deck is empty, you'll be left with notes describing their life, who they are, what they did, who they were. This is where you bury the deceased, by writing an obituary, a short piece of text describing who they truly were. So to start, you're going to get everything together, your writing tools and your playing cards. Before playing the rest of the game, you'll want to decide on some basic info, such as name, appearance, most basic identities. Shuffle the cards, remove the jokers, or remove the jokers and shuffle the cards. Death is no joking matter after all. Take your time. Draw a card depending on the rank and suit of the card. The effect of the drawn card varies. The exact page of each card rank is specified on the next page. The main decider of the card is the suit. The suit card decides whether this is an element of the deceased that will be remembered or forgotten. Note down the element according to the suit of the card. 
You can pick and choose from the various questions. Try to answer at least two, though. When a rank is forgotten after developing the memory, the card is discarded, and if you ever encounter that same card rank again, you discard it. On top of that, the suit also decides the connotation of the element, whether positive or negative. So, suits are as followed. Positive are going to be your hearts and clubs. Negative is going to be diamonds and spades. Now your red suits will be your remembered suits and your black suits will be your forgotten suits. Once again, once the cards run out, so have the memories of the deceased. This is where the card drawing part of the game ends and where you will begin writing their eulogy, followed by the final words of remembrance, the epitaph. All right, so from the sounds of it, if you get a red card, those are things that you're going to remember about them. Black cards will be things that will be forgotten, forgotten memories. And if you pull like a three of clubs, any other three you pull will be discarded. And then the rest of your pages are going to be what the cards mean. So diving right on into this, we are just going to go ahead and create ourselves some text boxes. We're just going to make ourselves some text boxes for positive remembered, positive forgotten, negative remembered, and negative forgotten. So first things first, got to give the deck a little bit of a, a shuffle. And let us go ahead and dive in to our first card. The Jack of Hearts. So starting off with a positive remembrance. All right, so we're going to remember something about Bob the Cleric. Now, Bob the Cleric was an old D&D character of mine, and he was a Tempest Cleric of Cord. So for Jax, that's going to be a skill that they were naturally good at. What was the skill? What did others think about it? What did they use it for? So like I said, Bob was a Cleric of Cord, God of Athletics and Strength. And Bob was known for his bodybuilding, and positivity. After all, as a cleric of cord, he was a strong proponent in athletics, in sports, and those type of competitions. And for him, it was very important that everybody tried, that they did their best, and that, you know, he just helped coach them through it. And that was kind of uh, that was kind of Bob's thing. He always viewed guidance as giving a spot, you know, just Giving a spot, giving like a lifting spot, just helping somebody out. Next up, we got the Seven of Hearts. So another positive remembrance. And that is going to be an achievement, one made with the support from others. What kind of achievement was it? Who did it affect? How did they achieve it? So for Bob, an achievement he made with the support of others. So early on in the campaign, Bob ran across a rust monster and he had the oath bow and he swore the oath to make the rust monster his enemy, but the rust monster ran away. Well, since then, Bob couldn't use the bow again. Fast forward months later, real life months later, several, several sessions later. And the party was in a lab and 
the party was being attacked by one group and the rust monster came back. Old Rusty came back and the group helped hold off the other monsters so that Bob could one-on-one -on -one engage with the rust monster and finally defeat it. Three of hearts. I'm starting to wonder how well I shuffled this deck. Getting lots of positive remembrances here. A name given out of love. What was the name? Who gave them the name? Why were they given the name? So honestly, that's going to be the name Bob. So in Bob's backstory, he was a half wood elf and he started his life assigned to a outpost. A storm came and collapsed the building and his commander attempted to hold up the beam, the main rafter, so that everybody could get out. And during the process of that, the Avatar of Cord came down and revealed himself to Bob, who at the time was called Bob Leotha. And Bob Leotha's commander. And that's how his commander became the head of Cord's temple in Waterdeep. And how Bob became a cleric of Cord. And after that event, he shortened his name to Bob so that it would be short, strong, decisive, and to the point. And he wanted something, he wanted something to help symbolize the strength of Cord, which he had witnessed firsthand. All right. Finally, a different trait. So that's Ten of Spades. That is going to be a negative trait, and it's going to be a negative forgotten trait. So we are going to, for, so 10 is going to be a place they were hurt. What was the place? What caused them to stay there? How did it, how did they get away? So this is going to be the first meeting with the rust monster that, I mean, after all, that was, that was one of Bob's first time not being able to defeat an enemy. It was one of his first time not being able to complete a challenge that had been set before him. And on top of that, he had made an oath in an attempt to try and defeat that using his oath bow. So yeah, that was, that was a very painful loss for Bob, but that memory will be forgotten and Bob will only be remembered for his overcoming of the rust monster. So actually a very positive spin on this. All right, next up we have the three of clubs and that's going to be a name given out of respect a name given out of respect so unfortunately for this the name given out of respect that will be forgotten about bob is the water deep oak again bob was a cleric of cord strength was a very big thing he was known as the water deep oak as he served the temple in water deep and his strength was you know his strength was like the oak tree but as time went on and as he ate, that unfortunately faded away. He was no longer remembered for that stoic strength that he had. But next we got the Ace of Hearts. And that is going to be something that mattered to them. A person 
that mattered? What was it that mattered? What importance did it hold? And how did they realize it mattered to them? So we're going to go with Brittany with an I. So during one of Bob's adventures, Bob had always been of the belief that the three tenets of faith, the three displays of faith at the Iron Church was the squat, the deadlift, and the bench. Those were the, those were the three things that Bob placed so much value on. Cardio was the penitent's path. It wasn't something that one did to get themselves closer to cord. Until Bob ended up in Barovia. And while Bob was in Barovia, he was searching for something to help deal with Strahd. And he called upon Cord for Cord's guidance to help him find this. Using I don't want it wasn't divine intervention. I think it was I think it was commune. Regardless, instead of Cord appearing before Bob as the hulking muscular figure that had appeared in Bob's youth when he was when he saved Bob from the collapsing outpost, Cord appeared to him at or Cord sent Brittany, who was a very energetic, calisthenics, jazzercise, cardio heavy spirit. And this, this appearance, this, this revelation really, really sent Bob down a new path of discovery on learning some of the different assets of cord and some of the different ways that strength and athletics can reveal themselves and some of the different ways he can help spread that teaching to his, to his flock Next up, we have the Five of Hearts. We're going to burn through all of the uh, all of the positive memories here, aren't we? All right, so that is going to Five of Hearts is going to be a mistake that they learned from. What did they do? How did that change them? What changed after making it, and what did they learn? So for Bob's mistake, we're gonna go with the time that. He and the party found a demon that was being held captive by a light cleric. And the reason why I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a mistake for Bob is because he did not challenge the light cleric for that. After all, once you beat somebody, you don't hold them captive. That's antithetical to the ideas and concepts of good competition that's antithetical to good sportsmanship you either defeat them outright or you know you let them go you don't you don't hang on to them and keep them prisoner and that was going like once bob sat and reflected on that he he never really backed down from a chat like he wasn't directly challenged by the light cleric. There was no there was no challenge in that in that sense because the light cleric was clear like clearly stronger than Bob was. Even with the uh, even with the help of the rest of the party, this was not going to bode well for them. But he did help to free the demon. So at the very least, 
at the very least, he didn't allow it to stand. Like, he should have called the light cleric out, but he kind of failed that test of Cord to uphold those principles of sportsmanship. And he learned from that, and he never, like, he never let bad sportsmanship lie again. Like, he, he never let a moment of bad sportsmanship lie again. All right, up next, we got the three of spades. However, we already have a forgotten three. So all other threes, yeah, all other threes continue to be discarded. So we have no more, we have no more memories for threes. So next, we got the four of hearts continuing to burn through this. We're going to get a lot of positive memories before we get down to these negative ones. So for four is a story they told once they experienced. When would they tell it? What was the message of the story? Who did they tell it to? So yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be, it's going to be one of two stories. Bob usually had one of two go-tos for four stories. One is going to be when Cord first revealed himself to Bob and Bob's commanding officer at the time who soon became his, who soon became his professor and head of the Iron Church before Bob took it over. And the other story he would talk about would be the revelation of Brittany and the benefits of cardio and cardio training, cardio-like training. So those are going to be like, those would be one of the two go-to stories for Bob. And he would usually tell those stories when when preaching, when engaging with someone who is unfamiliar with court, who is unfamiliar with him, because, you know, he was, he was a big guy. He was kind of, he's fairly charismatic. He was fairly open and out there. And, you know, it can be, it can be quite a shock for most people when they see a muscular half elf just start, doing air squats in the middle of in the middle of the square. And so like those stories would be like how Bob would relate his religion to other people and his beliefs to other people. All right, now we got the 5 of clubs. So that's going to be a mistake. And this will be a mistake made for the better. So this will probably be the time that Bob fought an angel. After all, being a cleric, being an emissary of the divine beings, he should probably not be engaging in combat with celestials. But the group kind of ended up in a situation where the group kind of ended up in the situation where they had very little other choice. But like, it was a good thing that Bob helped fight this celestial. But as a cleric, it was a mistake for him to have engaged with that. Now we have the nine of spades starting to get some starting to get some negatives in here. So this will definitely help out with making the deck go faster. So this is going to be a thing they created, one made from sorrow. What was the creation? What caused the creation? What function did it serve? So later on in Bob's life, as he got older, like all creatures who grow older, his strength started to wane. His endurance started to wane. He was more prone to injury and free weights were no longer, free rates were no longer 
a viable and safe means for him to continue to practice. So Bob invented a series of a series of exercises that could be done with lightweight strapped to strapped to your wrists and ankles. And this routine, like it, it was done out of the sorrow of not being able to worship in his preferred manner, in his usual manner of loading plates onto the bar and doing those reps for cord. But now it has been forgotten that it, now that it has been forgotten that Bob even created this as a, it's just remembered as a somewhat eccentric exercise routine that older, the older populations would do. All right. Got ourselves another nine. No memory. We've already, we were, have already forgotten the nine rank six of spades. So that is going to be forgetting a thing that comforted them. What was it? Why did it matter? And how did they acquire it? So this forgotten memory, this is probably going to be, this is probably going to be Bob scrying barbell. Bob acquired himself a silver barbell that he would curl rapidly in order to form a scrying surface. And after his adventures, he really, he didn't use it all that often. He only really used it for, he only really used it to keep tabs on some of his old adventuring friends. And because of that, it's one of the first, like, it's one of the first memories that is forgotten. Like people knew it was special to Bob because he kept it in his, like he kept it in his office. He kept it in his private training room, but like he rare, like he so rarely used it that nobody really understood what it was for. And he was really one of the only ones to, scry in this method most people would go and get like a silver dish or a silver mirror or something like that very few people were crazy enough to attempt to create a surface by curling a barbell at increased speed and then especially as bob got older and he was unable to maintain the speed needed to check on the you know to check on his friends and after his friends had passed because He's an elf. He outlived most of them. You know, he just picked it up less and less. And it was just one of the, uh, one of those things that was forgotten about him. All right. Another five. We already had a previous, previous forgotten five. Fives are dead memories. Jack of clubs. All right. So this is going to be a skill they loved learning. A skill that they loved learning. Especially after, especially after the Britney revelation. Bob had a huge love of learning different exercise techniques and different exercise routines, various high intensity training programs, various calisthenic programs, various different lifting programs. And it, anything outside of anything outside of his heavy lifts though, was quickly forgotten. Like, after all, later in life, his inability to continue to lift heavy 
causing one of the greater sadnesses in his life really stuck with people. Oh, the fact that he loved learning all these other routines was easily forgotten. He was he was seen very much as the pick up heavy things priest and cleric. All right, now we have the Ace of Clubs. And the Ace of Clubs is going to be an important quality. So an important quality, what was it that mattered? What importance did it hold? How did they realize that it mattered to them? So for this important quality, I think we're going to go with the humility and self-assessment. After all, being a being a lifter, being an athlete, it was very important for Bob to understand where he actually stood. But as you know, as time went on, as time went on, he obviously got stronger. He gained many levels. He gained many levels. He became very powerful compared to most normal standards. So it's easy to forget that it's easy to forget that Bob didn't see himself that way. He didn't like he understood that he was stronger than others and he did enjoy the competition of going against people at his level like there started to be so few people at his level that you know it was hard to do that so his it's easy for people looking in to go oh you know you know bob he's not you know he's He's not that humble. He's not that he's not that aware of himself. He he thinks he's so up here. No, the fact is he he was up here. Legit. Like, like it's D D power level. He was up here. You know, most people were like right around here. And then there were still a fair amount that were right in the middle, but still like very few people who could actually compete with him, especially one on one. And so it's easy to forget that. He never saw himself as the best. He never saw himself as the best. He wanted to be. But, you know, in order to be the best, you have to continue to strive and try and, and work. And you have to know where you where you fall in the pecking order. But to the average observer, you know, that's still like that's still a level of to them. It was almost a level of false humility or arrogance on Bob's part when you know, it was legit humility on his part. So that was, that was a trait that was quickly, quickly forgotten. All right. Ten of spades. We already have a 10. Nothing for that. Correction. That was a 10 of clubs. We already have a 10. Nothing for that. Six of diamonds already drew a forgotten six. Sixes are dead. Seven of diamonds. Our first negative remembered trait. All right, so this is going to be an achievement that required sacrifice. What was the achievement? What did it take? What was the end result? So here's the problem with Bob's mindset. Because he was an avid trainer, there were 
there really weren't many things that he saw in the grand scheme of things as negative. Now, all that being said, since this is other people's memories of Bob, that negative sacrifice is probably going to also be the Britney revelation because Bob, Bob had to embrace and participate freely in cardio without having done anything to warrant that penance. You know, again, we talked about, we talked about humility and false humility and everything like that to willingly engage in something that had been previously preached as a penitent method of atonement when you have nothing to atone for that could have been seen as false humility and that and that probably helped people forget so quickly like bob's actual humility is because he was like he was willing to do things like that he he willingly followed Brittany and participated in the cardio when he had nothing to atone for. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he found something like he found a sword that he didn't even use. Now, for those who were there, he did give it to the party. He did give it to another party member the party members used it to help defeat Strahd so that they could escape Barovia. But Bob didn't even keep this thing. You know, he he participated in cardio willingly. He found a ancient relic and gave it away. Like, like not even to the person who found it. But these are these are almost these can almost be seen as the antithesis of what a competitor should do. But, you know, it's really only the hardliners who, it's really only the hardliners who think that strictly with Cord. And Bob was, Bob wasn't a hardliner in that regard. But, you know, the hardliners are usually the ones who come out very quickly to start spreading the stories. So this was like, this would be one of the stories that would have been spread quickly. Hey, remember that time when, remember that time when the high priest Bob willingly participated in cardio without atonement, you know, and, you know, so this definitely would have been something that was, that was used and spread right after, right after Bob's passing. All right. Up next, we got the seven of clubs. So good thing we got another remembered memory right before losing access to the sevens. So the seven of clubs is going to be an achievement they achieved by themselves. All right, that's going to be a fairly easy one. During his younger adventuring days, one of the one of his party was tasked with going and finding a tailor. The pirate Jarlaxle was in town. They had they had amused Jarlaxle enough that Jarlaxle told them how to get to his private tailor. And the party member wanted to go visit the tailor and see if the tailor would make something for them. Unfortunately, in order to even get into the tailor's place, 
someone had to lift a very heavy stone doorway and keep it open for the duration of while everybody was in there attempting to find the tailor. Bob volunteered to be the one to lift and hold the stone and everyone else went through and participated in the challenges that lay behind or beyond the door. Unfortunately, Bob was unable to participate because nobody was sure if they would be able to get back out. He had to make sure that there was an exit for them. But that, just the holding a stone that heavy for that long was a wonderful display of strength and endurance and one that one that's very quickly forgotten because it wasn't even the cool part of it wasn't even the cool part of what anybody else was doing unless you actually know about that type of thing. All right, coming up next, we have the Queen of Diamonds. So another negative remembrance. And this is going to be a relationship. What was the relationship? How did they lose it? What meaning did it have to them? Yeah, so this will probably be... This will probably be with that first that first adventuring group that that Bob rolled with. He met them shortly after the party's wizard was killed. They brought the wizard to him to see if the wizard wanted to be resurrected. And when the wizard wanted to travel on into the afterlife, the party needed an extra person and they asked if Bob would be willing to join them because they thought having a cleric would be a good thing to have in the group. Bob was very young in the temple at this time, hadn't had a whole lot of experience outside of the Iron Church, and he was eager to test his skills and strength in the real world. And so he joined them and he adventured with those guys for a long time. They went through... They went through the dungeons of the Mad Mage. They explored the Underdeep together. This was the group that they rescued demons and fought celestials with. This was the group that, in the end, they like in the end they fought a very high level celestial and prevented it from enacting a terrible plan upon the world and. After that, everybody kind of split up and went their own separate ways. They had all been together for a very long time by this point. And yeah, Bob just kind of Bob just kind of fell out with them. And he never he never really rekindled or brought uh, got back together with any of the gang. And like this was part of the reason why he this was part of the reason why he would use his his scrying barbell was just to just to check on these guys but as far as like reaching out and maintaining those those personal connections he never did all right four of spades and this is going to be a story they told one that they feared forgotten what would make them tell it? What was the theme? And who did they tell it to? So for this, this will be a forgotten story of something that they feared. Yeah, honestly, probably it's going to be, it's probably going to be Bob's fear of 
no longer being able to participate in the worship of Cord, to participate in the Iron Church. That was his calling. That was that was what he highly enjoyed. And so like just the thought that he wouldn't be able to do that anymore was deeply troubling to him. And maybe like maybe it was the loss of purpose and the having to find new purpose that he feared, especially considering the exploits of his youth, his travels throughout Waterdeep, his travels throughout Barovia, just remembering all those, just the fear of not being able to do that type of stuff anymore and to not have a purpose and to be one of those, be one of those who needed more than a spot. And, you know, that transition terrified Bob just because of just because of the man that he was just because of the elf that he was and he didn't really tell like he, he would not tell this to a lot of people like these were mainly discussions that he had with his protégés in the iron church the advanced study and it was usually it was usually centered around being willing to try new things and being willing to try these new exercise routines and things like that just because core does reveal himself in many different ways and so this was more of a call to inspire alternative ways of thinking by showing how he overcame his own fear and because of that because it was used in that way no one ever like no one ever really remembered Oh my goodness, Cleric Bob was Cleric Bob was afraid. It was, you know, hey, just because you can't lift the weights anymore doesn't mean that you have nothing else to contribute. But we're gonna go ahead and wrap that up there. Now it says to end with a eulogy. So if we were to do this, it would be the using the remembered traits, but we are not going to, we're not going to do the eulogy. Instead, we're just going to, we're just going to have our final thoughts, mainly because ending it on a forgotten negative trait, you know, it, it can be kind of a downer. And then trying to summarize all this into a eulogy is just a daunting pro like just a daunting prospect at this point. But that is forget me not Myosotis. All right. This is a, this is definitely an interesting game. It's hard to put my finger on how I feel about this game because yes, it is enjoyable. I enjoyed it. You definitely have to be in a mind for it. You definitely have to be in a certain mood for it because it can get heavy. I mean, I mean, I was getting all nostalgic and sad just thinking about one of my old D&D characters. So this is, yeah, this is something that, this is something that it might actually be fun to do in your games, in your, in your D&D campaigns, in your Pathfire campaigns, in your, in whatever TTRPG you play, it might be fun to do something like this for when a character dies. All right, when a character dies, have everybody like have the rest of the party get together and do this, like make this make this your closure episode. And 
that's honestly, I think that's where I see the biggest value for this game is making it your closure episodes for a character death, whether it's a character death in a game, whether it's a character death in any piece of writing that you're doing. You know, it's, it's one of the death is a death is a natural course of the universe and doing something like forget me not to remember the life of that character for the closure for the closeout i think that i think that's the biggest value to this it's really hard to just play as is especially without getting super personal and emotional as again you have to you have to have somebody to remember. Now, potentially, if you wanted to take some, if you wanted to borrow some other rules from some other solo stuff, getting some type of, getting some type of mood dice or disposition die or some type of GM emulator to help provide prompts for your prompts. Like these prompts are very open-ended. You really have to, you really have to think about them. But again, if you aren't walking in with a somewhat concrete idea of the character that you're playing, this is going to be really hard. So as a, like, as a standalone, you're going to end up pulling a lot from personal life if you just roll into it without really thinking about that character. And that can be a lot. That can be a lot. And not everybody's ready to deal with that. But if you were to if you were to use it to help provide closure and remembrance on a character, one of your old, you know, again, one of your old player characters, one of your fictional characters, if you're a writer, that's where I see a lot of the value on this. Now, if you're interested in this and checking it out, you can find Forget Me Not Myosotis on Itch for $4.99. $4.99. And that will be at K-I-N-A-S-T-E-N dot itch dot I-O slash M-Y-O-S-O-T-S. M-Y-O-S-O-T-I-S. Or, of course, you can always follow the link down below in the description. But... Go check it out. If you do get the game, let them know that Steel Stash sent you. And that is going to be it for tonight. If you guys enjoyed this, remember, like, comment, review, share, all that good stuff. And remember, I must ask y'all to stay awesome. You've been listening to Lonely TTRPG, the solo TTRPG live play and review. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. You can also reach us at Twitter at BDDC underscore pod or at BlackDragonDungeonCompany at gmail.com. If you really like us, you can consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BlackDragonDungeonCompany. Thank you so much.